focus to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever-wanted life manifest destiny. I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever-wanted life manifest destiny. Damn, I destroyed myself, but you contributed. I destroyed myself, but you helped. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brad Biggs. In here with me is Jonathan Grissom with More Bands Media. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. This podcast is brought to you by yours truly, 13th Step Tone Solutions and More Bands Media. That's me, Brad Biggs, and Jonathan Grissom. Again. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> really good. I gotta, I gotta pull up the... Uh, I gotta find out. I have another phone that has the account for the cash app for the show, so I need to find. We that. got donations. I don't know. I I, I got to look at that account. <laughs> That's the only account. The other accounts don't show nothing. So smell money. Oh, yeah. uh, by the way, on that note, if you guys are out there and you want to help us out, uh, head on over to localearshot.com slash donate and drop us a line and uh, help us out. It helps with the uh, the fees that it costs to put this thing out on the internet for all you nutheads out there. So people really want to know it's about. It's about two hundred to three hundred a year um, for just the standardized podcasting stuff. So. There you go. Help us out, y'all. And if you're a business or a, a somehow involved in the local live entertainment circuit that we have here, and we're trying to grow in Oklahoma, and you want to maybe get the word out with us, give us a shout, man. We can uh, get together on that and maybe help grow this scene. Uh, in with us today, we got Joey Mandigo with OKC's Locust Grove, as well as is. Texas Hippie Coalition, um, that band is I've seen on more than one occasion. Um, Joey, how you doing today, man? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here. Hey, thanks man. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming in. I I, had, I really didn't even know that you were right here in the same town. I, I mean, uh, I was every time I've seen Locust Grove come across my feed or whatever, for some reason, I just assumed they were from Tulsa, the Tulsa band. I don't know why. It just It just seemed like they were. And then come to find out, y'all just right up the road here. So, hey, not bad. I'm downright giddy to have y'all in, man. I, y'all have a gig at the end of this month coming up, and it's a big big birthday bash for you. So tell us about this before we get into, like, the history of the band about a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, January 27th is my birthday. Uh, we're doing a birthday show here in Norman. And uh, we haven't played Norman since um, Norman Music Fest in 2019. We were there. We got picked for a very last minute after years of submitting. They were finally like, okay, well, we'll, we'll put you guys on here. And, um, you know, and again, I've, I've lived in Norman total since probably 2007, 2008. Um, and so, you know, I try to play in Norman as much as I can, bring as much rock music here into the town. Not to say there's just not rock music, but, you know, you can never have enough, especially yeah. in, and especially in a scene like this. And so um, when I finally got the opportunity to do the birthday show at the Resonator, I was like, man, like this is like a perfect time to showcase like all the incredible bands all, all in one night to really showcase like good rock music. And whether it's a birthday or not, like, it'll you know, it'll be a fantastic show just because of the immense talent that's there. You know, there's so, several bands on the list. Uh, who all we got coming in? We got Kira, which it's crazy about Kira because Kira has been in the same scene with us for a long time. Um same, you know, from the same town, we've we've equally done as much, and we just now, like, played shows with them and got introduced to them, like, last summer, um, and, like, 
how we didn't cross paths after all this time. I don't know. <laughs> I just started digging into the right. So when I was yeah. So finally, it was like, man, like we've been, you know, we've toured and done all this. It's like, and we live like ten minutes from each other. It's like, how come we've never <laughs> met? You know. And so we've been doing a lot of shows with those guys in Kira lately. They're awesome dudes. And then Magazu. Um, a good buddy of mine, David, he plays in that band. I've uh, played shows with him in the past. They're like extreme metal from, from Norman and they're kind of like a newish band. Um, and again, he's a good friend of mine. So like, I knew I wanted his band to be on that show cause they're all rad dudes play awesome music. Um, and in White Recluse, um, which my buddy Andrew Yoon, he's a bass player of that band. He's with uh, Christoph. Murray. Yeah, Christoph. Okay. Yeah, okay. never mind cool. the Embers. And yeah, so yeah. he's he's in a lot of projects too. And his buddy Tyler is an insanely good guitar player, along with Tommy, their drummer. And so they're all good dudes. And so it seems that any, not every local show that I play in town, but most of all of them, you know, Yoon is usually on one of those shows somehow, <laughs> some way. I've known he's one of my best friends, and so like I always try to. You know, throw him on whatever show. You know, just because he's a he's a bad motherfucker on bass, dude. <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him uh, at the Chris, at the Christmas Bash the last couple years. But every time I've heard of him, it's been with Kristoff's uh, band. But mm-hmm. yeah, awesome. Uh, the The Resonator's a cool joint, man. Um, it's I guess it's actually an art gallery or an art house, but the way they have it kind of set up, and it's a it's a more long than it is wide it's the way they have it the gigs in there it works it's pretty cool yeah i played there um i played there with my other group deity a couple summers ago and uh we we just got randomly asked to play the show and i've seen the building for the resonator but i've never been inside of it i just seen the outside and i was like oh cool resonator whatever and i looked more into it i'm like it's an art studio like how <laughs> yeah no you i know what i mean like, <laughs> i asked them about the art stuff because uh, i do i do uh abstract and like poor art and stuff and uh, and i was like hey how do you uh how do you get in here to like book a show or something like that and they were like oh we're booked out for like a year and a half they were like but uh you can you can sign if you get a permit for the city apparently they do a, a monthly art uh walk thing out here in norman I didn't fucking know that. Yeah, it's, I think so it's, I don't live uh, out here. I live out in Oklahoma City. So. Okay, yeah, I think the art walk is like the second Friday of every month. Yeah, they were just saying, get a permit. You can set up a tent and you can when sell he told your me stuff, so. they're a year and a half booked. I was like, whoa. Yeah, and you know, and that the guy that runs it, Curtis, dude. I mean, he's you know, he's a smart, he's a smart dude, and how he runs that whole business and just how he conducts it, man. It's 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 real smart, and especially because he's. He sees art just not in the way of just hanging painting paintings and showing exhibit. He knows that music is also an art form, so kind of it's like a multi-purpose kind of deal because yeah. you know music is an expression of art, you know. And um, so yeah, when I when I heard it was an art studio, I was a little skeptical at first, you know, because I've been in those situations to where you're told that this venue is this kind of place, and you're like. What am I walking into? Like, and you look on the outside of it, it's like, where are we supposed to park? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, but dude, when we played that show, it was super packed. And believe it or not, even if it's just art exhibits or a show, they have like a built in crowd there, you know, because I think it's one of the bigger art studios in downtown. So, like, uh, even yeah. an art walk or just in general, it's like people flock just to that place just because of the size of it. Um, and when I talked to him about doing, you know, the birthday show, and I was, you know, I was like, man, where am I going to have it? Like, cause I've, I've done it in Oklahoma city in the past. Um, but I'm like, man, like Oklahoma city for some people, it's kind of hard to get to cause there's so many areas, you know? And, uh, I was like, why don't we just do it in Norman? You know, like it's a little bit easier for people to 
to get to and you know it's in downtown and it's on a Main weekend Street is a very cool it's got a cool vibe for sure and so uh i hit up curtis about it and i was like man like I'm, I'm thinking about this date you know for a birthday show like what do you think and he was like i would love to and so like when everything was set in stone it's like i couldn't be any happier with the decision and the response has been cool and he's been really cool about it and so i'm, I'm really excited for the show man awesome I, I man where can people killer. get i know they can get tickets at the door day of um mm. uh, is there a link we can maybe put up that yeah it's a resonator space um i think it's slash new product slash locust grove live if i remember um just on the top of my head go over to local earshot guys we'll put it up there <laughs> just we'll make sure we get it tagged in there right but uh check it out absolutely end of the month uh the 27th of this month at the resonator uh, and you'll hear through the show we're gonna try and sprinkle that shit on everything so uh but tell us take us back a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in music in general and then kind of gravitated towards the drums man honestly when i was when i was really little um you know first of all like my parents were very musical uh, my dad played drums when he was in high school back in the day my mom didn't really play any instruments but just like their influences really i feel like kind of influenced me when i was little my mom was more so like <clears throat> like led zeppelin beatles you know, that kind of rock. And my dad was more Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Like, so like growing up and living both of their households, I heard that kind of music all the time. And so I grew up with rock music at a very young age. And then um, to my earliest memory, I can remember um, I was probably, I don't know, four or five years old. Um, and I was watching VH1. It was either VH1 or MTV. It was one of those two. Um, and I remember seeing the the music video for Cowboys from Hell for the first time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do still to this day, I feel that same energy watching it when I was a kid. And just hearing that. Yeah, dude, up, hear, hearing, the, hearing the intro, <laughs> but just like hearing how just enormous that band sounded, even just when I was little. And seeing Vinnie Paul behind the drums and seeing not only just hearing the guitar riff and how it made the people move, but just like how the drums kind of like, you know, they provided that groove. Quick interruption. Yeah. Thoughts on the Pantera reunion? I'm all about it, man. Yeah. Honestly, because the way I see it, look at Kiss. You know, Kiss uh, is you're not wrong. kind of the same way. You know, people <laughs> people still flock to Kiss shows because it's it's Kiss no matter what. If it's Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, like it's still Kiss. You know, and I know the Abbott brothers were like a staple of that band, but I kind of look at it the same way. You know, it's 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 Pantera. They brought people in to pl to play Pantera songs. I you know, it's like if people are going to go flock to Kiss to only see half of the original members play, what's so different about the Pantera thing? And know? it's and, it's like we know there will never be another Dimebag. Of course, nobody. Yeah. Yeah, that of, more of, than, of course. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you can even say of Kiss will never be another Eric Carr or yeah. you know, like any of it's those a, guys. Yeah, you know Eric what I mean? Carr. So it's like, but you know, it's it's at the end of the day, you know, people are going to go to the, those shows to see those songs performed yeah. live. You know, and that's what people go to shows for is to hear those songs live. So you know, I I'm all about the Pantera Union. I'm I'm really stoked that it's happening. Cool. <laughs> I, I I always I've, I've been trying to remember to put that in my notes because I know most of the people that we've had on are, are in the heavy mu heavier side of the music scene. But even people that are singer songwriters, I mean, the love everybody loves Pantera. I mean. If not Pantera, you love Walk, <laughs> right? So uh, it's like I'm curious. I'm 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 actually to the point where I'm in I'm indifferent. I just really I, my only thing is if they go forward and do it, I really hope that they put all the effort in to recreate the energy and the show and the riffs as they would be. 
And so far, it looks like the, all their hearts are in the right place. So, hey, go have fun. For sure, yeah. And I've seen live videos of them playing, and, you know, the, the reception of the audience really says it all. Uh, South you America. Know, yeah, oh they're wild gosh. down there anyway. I know, I know. Yeah. And so, like, and I'm, I'm really, you know, because, I mean, in Europe in general, you're always just going to get a better crowd reception over there. For metal, you know, yeah. Yeah, they feed off of that stuff. Um, so... I'm really curious to see how the American crowd is really going to respond. You know, not saying it'll be bad, but it'll just, you know, kind of curious of how that'll pan out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. You know, but they're uh, opening for Metallica. So like, you know, dude, ain't going to really tell a difference. I, I, <laughs> I dare anybody to sit there and not be able to move when they're playing like one of those, any of those riffs, five minutes alone, cowboys from any of those, you're going to get moving. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and again, like when I was young and I, I saw that video for the first time and I was like seeing the people jump off the stage and stuff, it brought something out of me that was like, you know, I have to either keep watching this or learn more about it, you know? And like, and I didn't like watch the home videos or whatever, cause it was just on TV and I was just watching, but like, you know, I, I grew up listening to all of those bands from like the seventies, eighties and nineties. My, you know, my dad was a big hair metal fan, you know, and he grew up kind of on that era. So he introduced me to a lot of that. And I mean, VH1 classic, the metal manias that would come on late at night, like used to watch all of those videos. And so, um, but yeah, when I, when I saw that video for the first time to my earliest memory, like that was when I knew like, that is probably the coolest shit I've ever seen. It's like, whatever they're doing, I want to do it, you know? And then, and then as I got older, I started discovering more music and, you know, my brother and my sister and some of my family, a lot of my friends, like listen to a lot of heavier stuff. And I mean, you know, Slipknot was obviously like a gateway as yeah. far as like when I kind of like was getting into drumming, like, that was like the door opening up. You know, Vinnie Paul kind of pushed me to the door, but Slipknot opened the door up because it's like, wow, you can like do stuff other than, you know, the grooves. It's like there's more to it. You know, like I, I didn't know. There's grooves within Yeah, there's grooves, grooves within, you know. <laughs> the, yeah, and it was, you know, like the masks really caught me. Like it was like, oh, this is, you know, as a as a young, you know, punk kid, you're like, oh, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen, you know. And, um, and yeah, like after seeing him, it's like, okay, like I really got to, get the chops going and like really start like experimenting with this stuff. And, um, I started playing when I was around five or six and I didn't get my actual kit till I think maybe tells about maybe eight or nine. I was still in elementary school. I know that, but I didn't really pick it up till probably sixth grade. Uh, when, when I got like my first kit and it was a Joey Jordison signature kit oh, wow. and found it on Craigslist for like 500 bucks. Some <laughs> dude was selling it and I was like, I got to get it. And so, you know, it was in the living room and it was in the garage and I would play every day, like before school, after school. I mean, it's just, it was constant and it still is that way. <laughs> huh. Well, damn, man, that's uh, you know, you started on the on the kit of kits, man. I I know, dude. I <laughs> dude, it was so, it was crazy, you know, because I watched like all the YouTube videos of like you know the you know because that's because I'm self taught. I never took lessons, and so uh, you know, I would watch videos of like some of my favorite drummers playing, like Tommy Aldridge, Jordison, Vinnie Paul, Cozy Powell, you know, stuff like that, Pat Torpy, and all those guys, and. I was like, I kind of see the idea of how a kit should be set up, you know, but like I never set up a drum kit before unless the one I got when I was younger, but I think my dad helped me set that one up. And so, you know, this was three rack toms, two floor toms, two kicks, all these stands and cymbals. <laughs> and so I'm over here like it's it's all in pieces on the living room floor and I'm trying to figure out like where do I start to, 
to set this up, you know? And like, I think I recall like having to watch a bunch of videos of like people putting drum kits together. And I was like, oh, okay. So the kick drum goes this way or like the leg goes here. All the Tom sits in the, in the bass drum. I was like, you know, I was like mind blown as a kid and I'm, I play left-handed. So I'm a left-handed drummer and I set it up naturally that way. And I remember, uh, my dad and a couple of my friends were looking at the kit. They were like, man, do you know, did you set it up backwards? And I'm like, no, this is just how I set it up. And I you know, play normally on it. It dude, to this day, even after all these years, I struggle to play on a right-handed kit. Like for whatever reason, like maybe I just need to do it more to get my brain more comfortable with it. But for whatever reason, dude, like I just can't, <laughs> uh, I can't process it. Man. I got, I, I'm, I guess ambidextrous. I didn't learn that I had left-handed tendencies until I started playing baseball when I was a little, little kid. I just naturally stood left-handed and everybody kept trying to teach me right-handed. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like fucking no, but I play guitar right-handed. We'll see. And that's the thing. I, I also play guitar right-handed, but like if I'm, air, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, I know and when I, when I air guitar, like air guitar left-handed. So like, it's, it's, su- it's super weird. Like I play, I try to pick up a left-handed guitar, dude. You got I'm all like, kind of wires crossed. I know, there, man. dude. I, I try picking up like a left-handed guitar and I'm like, what am I doing? But like, when I pick up an actual guitar, I play right-handed, but like I play on a left-handed kit. And what's even weirder is that my hands on the drum kit are left-handed, but my right leg is my dominant leg. On, on the on the drum kit, my left leg is my weak leg. Huh. So I don't know at one point when I set it up and I just started playing, like when all that came to fruition, you know, but like that's just how it's been since oh. day one. So I'm not gonna question yeah. it. <laughs> that's like anything else, man. You just work with what you, you got. Just work with you know? what you got, man. Exactly. <laughs> well well, uh, let's talk about Locust Grove. How'd y'all come to formation? Was that the first band you you ever formed? Uh, they've been around I think five, six years. How long they've been around? Uh twenty fifteen, man. Twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. They've been around ooh, a lot longer than that. A lot so. longer, yeah. Um it's it's kind of a crazy backstory because um, Zane, you know, obviously was an anti-mortem back in the day, which was a huge band out of Oklahoma. They got well, yeah, a, we've had know, Eric on. Yeah, so uh, they, yeah. they had a huge record deal back in the day. Um, and so I, I knew who that band was, you know, but I didn't know that I didn't know any of those guys around that time. And uh, around like early 2015, I got an opportunity to go on a road with this band called Lord Dying. They're like a sludge metal group out of uh, Oregon. And went on tour like Misery Index, Crowbar, Battlecross for like months and months and months. Before I went on that tour, I went to NAM in California, which is a, the music convention out there. And I remember I was walking through one of the the main concourses in the convention center, and I saw Zane. And I was like, I instantly recognized him. You can't miss the hair yeah, and just yeah. you know the persona. <laughs> and I was like, Dude, Zane, like crazy seeing you here, man. It's like, how are you? And he just he looked confused. He was like, Who the hell is this guy? And he saw my NAM badge and he saw that I was from Norman. And that instantly, because around that time that his band had split up, and so he was just there, you know, post band breakup, just going to NAM. I think he was there with Dean Guitars at that time, and. um uh, when we were still in California, he had messaged me. He was like, dude, it's like, you live in Norman. It's like, what are you doing out here? It's like, not everyone could just go to Nam, you know? And, um, he was like, I don't know if you knew, but like my band broke up. It's like, you know, when we get back home, we should maybe try and write together and, you know, maybe jam. And I found out he lived like eight minutes from me, like eight or nine minutes. I'm like, dude, like, yeah. You know, cause I was already a fan of his band before I even met the guy. Cause I was already familiar um and so we got to jamming for a little bit when we got back and then i went on the road with lord dying and i was gone for like 
four to five months or I would say like maybe three to four months. And when I got while I was on tour, he was like getting the band together and like getting the bass player, getting the guitar player, like kind of like doing the groundwork for when I got back. You know, we already had a full set. We immediately got to practicing when I got back. Um, and that's kind of how Locust Grove came to fruition. Like I met Zane at NAM. We wanted to start a band. So we started Locust Grove. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it sounds like. Uh, it, it's funny, man. When things click, sometimes like that, they just click. Oh, and, dude! Every and every everything came in full circle too, man. Because like again, I I I was a fan of his band, you know, a couple years prior, and now I'm in the same band with that same person that I was already a fan of. So it's like you know, it was just kind of crazy how it all came. It's to weird. Be. And since 2015, dude, we've been rocking. The older I get, the more strange those things are, you know. And you just try to take notice when you see it happening in your own life. But, and a lot of the times are unexpected. Like, you yeah. know, you, you don't, you don't really acknowledge it till later on. You're like, man, like now that I think about it, it's like, how, <laughs> how did that happen? It's like, why did it happen this way? You know, well, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, uh, where y'all's come across to us first, probably from Eric, I would think. Um, there was the uh, show at Whiskey Nights maybe. Um, that they were playing. And then they're playing another show right after that with Locust Grove. Yeah. Like uh, y'all been in the consciousness that. over here for a while. I know that. I know the first time I heard of y'all, it was a song called um, "Menace" or "Menace Menace of Society." Yeah, and uh, since then, it's like y'all's sound has, I mean, exponentially. And I mean, that was that, that was probably about five or six years ago. That's yeah. the first song I ever heard. And then I heard listen to some of the stuff y'all have recently, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> you hear a definite maturity and and you guys are getting down to business for sure well and you know be, between the release of our first ep and the full length i mean we really took a lot of time in figuring out where our sound was going to go and in between both of those records we did a lot of touring and so we were trying to mainly just find our sound just as a group you know just with the four of us like okay like let's pull from our influences kind of put it in the blender and see what we can make out of it songwriting wise and so we took a lot of time in making sure that the songs that we wrote were songs that we liked, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, no songs are ever going to be perfect. Not everyone is going to like it. Nowadays, you just kind of play what you love. And if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. Not, you know, and it's not going to attach to everybody and that's okay. And so most definitely when we were making this record, we just wanted to make sure that, you know, we love the songs that we played because it just, it makes it so much more enjoyable, not just writing it, but when you get to release it, hear the finished product, you know, it just, I don't know, it kind of, it, it brings a, a different satisfaction in a way, especially when you've taken so long to write it and record it and you finally get it off your computer. You're just like, oh God, finally, finally. <laughs> I can put, I can load it with something else. Yeah. Now. And it's like, I can start writing new stuff. <laughs> well, dude, cause yeah, like in the, in the tracking and mixing and mastering of the, of the record, like we didn't write any new songs. So like, you know, and we're generally a band that likes to write constantly, you know, especially Zane. And so. You know, but we didn't want to overload ourselves. We just wanted to make sure that as soon as this is out, we can now close that page and you know start a new one with the newer song. So, um, well, let's play a few, man. I, how many we got? How many did you send over? I, I think two. Two. I want to say. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's listen to those, and then we can kind of go into the the how they came to be. Uh, Locust Grove, January twenty seventh at the Resonator, y'all. Check them out.
Your life will be over
was the title tracks for those there? It's uh, Battle of the Locusts and Worth My Time. Battle of the Locusts, Worth My Time. Locust Grove, y'all. You can catch Locust Grove at the Resonator right here on Main Street in Norman, Oklahoma on January 27th. Tickets at the door, $15. Or you can go over to the local Earshot stuff. We'll get the website up. Take us to the process of those tunes a little bit, maybe. How they came to, to fruition. Well, Worth My Time... If my memory corrects me, uh, was one of the first songs I was written for the record. At least one of the one of the first. I wouldn't say like the first, but it was an early song. And a lot of the songs on this record went through very very different stages. You know, so what they are now, they didn't sound anything like that two years ago or three years ago. You know, they went through a lot of growing and changing. And like, you know, we would be happy with how it's structured and how it's mixed, and then. Listen, listen on it for a week, and I was like, no, nah, we need to change that, or <laughs> I don't like my vocal part, or this, and you know, so like we, we were nitpicking these songs just left and right, um, and worth my time, we, we played it live a couple times in the original version, the way it was before it was now, and even like playing it, because we were satisfied listening to it just like in studio-wise, but when we played it, it just it felt very like cattywampus. It just felt a little like not quite. Yeah, not quite yeah. there. Like something was missing. And so when we finally got back into the writing stages of it, and we were finishing it the way it is now. Once we had that structure and we wrote the lyrics to it, like we just knew that it just it came together. And we played it before we played it the way it is now before it was released. And it just it felt so much better. It just felt much more controlled, much more mature, much more like put together. You know, and it was like it's like one of my favorite songs to play live just because of the energy and everything else. Um, and yeah, so that was like probably one of the very first songs um, of the record. And Battle of Locusts came very later on. It was, I think, maybe the second to third last song that was ever written. So it kind of came later on. And I remember I was working and Zane had emailed me like a metal riff he wrote, and it, which was the main riff of that song. I was like, dude, that's that's badass. Like, what? Like, keep that, you know? Because there, there's been times where you know I would get sent to riff or whatever, and it, you know, it seems cool at the time, just in the moment you're writing it. Then the next day you listen back, you're just like, ah, that kind of sounded like yeah. crap, or like I'm gonna, you know, delete it or just whatever. And that was the one riff when he sent it to me, and I'm like, dude, like, don't overthink. Like, say that riff. We can do something with that, you know. And he already had pretty much the whole song structure down, like the chorus. The verse, the main riff, he had already had it all written in, you know, like, I think we added a couple things to the structure here and there, maybe took some things away. But when he laid out the general map of the song, I was like, dude, don't touch that. Like, keep it like it is, you know, we'll, we'll come over and we'll, we'll fix it. We'll write something on it. And that song, the longest part of that song that took us longest was the chorus because the chorus of that song is something that we had never done before. So it was kind of reaching a new ground just as far as like melody and the, the tempo of it and just how it was structured. And so vocal wise, we were really stuck on that chorus for a while and we had many, many ideas. Um, <clears throat> and when we finally got it to where it is now, like it just, it felt like we just became a new band, you know, because it was like, wow, like, I would have never thought that this is how the chorus would sound. It just sounded like, you know, it doesn't sound like anything like we used to do. So when people listen to that song, they're not going to really relate it back to the EP. It, just, it As you said, it took a whole new yeah. turn yeah. In later on. And, you know, and in the name, The Battle of Locusts, which is the name of the record, um, we came up with the name... Uh, because just during the writing of that record, during the composition of it, it was it was tough. You know, like there was a lot of songs that didn't make it. You know, there was that point where we were really hard on ourselves because we just, you know, we didn't know if, 
if we had reached our full potential in writing these songs. And, you know, there was just a lot of back and forth and, you know, just life events that happened around that time and just in general. And so it was a real battle getting this record put together, getting everything done, getting it mixed and mastered, like financially, just like getting it to where it needed to be, shooting all the music videos. I mean, like it was just... It was it was a chore for sure, but like once we got the artwork and everything was just done, like it just it felt like such a big weight off our backs, you know. Because from the release of our EP to now uh, to this record, it was like four years, almost three or four years, mm-hmm. you know. And then around that time, we were just touring and you know trying to get our feet wet out there. And again, as I said, trying to find our sound as a band. And once we writ Battle of Locusts, dude, like we just we kind of finally felt like, man, like maybe this is who we are. We like we finally found our our identity. And with the newer songs that we're writing for this next record, we're even seeing that it's t- taking even more of a turn towards like the heavier direction because we saw the reception that this record got. And the, uh, the artists we were listening to around that time, we were like, man, like maybe we can make that heavier. Maybe we can make it just more gritty and more our style, add a little more punch to it. You know, and so with this new record, it's I feel like it's definitely going in that direction. But that's where the um, name Battle of Locusts came from, because, I mean, it was it was just such a a lot went into getting that record finally put out. And when we did the album release shows, it just felt like a celebration because it's like, finally, we've been talking about this moment for four years, (laughs) like getting the record out. And finally, like people can hold the physical copy and they're just like, I finally have the new record. It's like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> man you know. uh that is one thing that i i always or it's it's actually one of the reasons i i'm i'm just not really interested in being in a in a band that's playing live like i'm interested more in the the writing room maybe recording but the the uh, the, the whole process of managing five different people or four however many is in your band lives and then being able to yank them away from that long enough to rehearse, plan, uh, write new, and it's 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 uh, it's a you're not wrong. It's a battle. <laughs> yeah, and well, and you know these days, do the the level of dedication and commitment that goes into it, as well as sacrifices second second to none. Just how just how much you really have to take away if you really want to do this for the rest of your life, yeah. and. I feel a lot of people don't really kind of think of, you know, musicians in that way. They're just like, oh, he just plays in a local band on the bar every weekend, you know, just kind of does it as a hobby. But it's like, you know, at least in my experiences and experiences that I've heard through other people, it's like, you know, they really do sacrifice a lot to to do this, you know, like to really make it a career, make it something that you're you are going to do for the rest of your life, you know, and it's not it's not for everybody, you know, and people that I've known in the past that were like really talented and really good that just eventually stopped playing as much as it breaks my heart, you know, they just decided to go in a different direction in life. And that's just what life does, you know, or like they wanted to start a family or, you know, maybe they wanted to go to school or pick up a career, you know, it's like to each his own for sure. But um, again, just as you said, going to practice, you know, playing live shows, writing, and it's, it's, you know, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And again, it's not for everybody. So, you know, I know it's not a walk in the park for sure. Well, and the idea of, of like, especially when you start getting into touring and long tour, long term touring, when you're out for months on end, or, or certainly, you know, more than the, the quote unquote standard eight week cycle. Um, that's, 
it's 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 one of those things that it's like you know there's there's always musicians that can do the studio work and then there's road guys but then there's very few that are totally all balls deep in and does it all it's very very difficult yeah which i i have a lot of respect for the for the studio musicians and the session guys and as as well as the producers you know i mean because let's face it producers make a lot more money than we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and but 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 again like without the producers and without those people it's like how would we ever make records how would we ever have that guidance and writing something new so you know you can't have one without the other which is why even as a touring musician and you know eventually i'll get into producing and stuff but you know that's something that'll probably come later on but um i have a really great respect for those people because again like especially for the producers and the people behind the scenes and you know the people that own the studios and spend the money and do all that they are the reason that we are even able to put these records out in the first place you know and now there's guys that are in bands that have their own studios like in our case like zane has has his own studio which is where we track the record um you know those are guys that just have both of their hands full so like they're also a producer and they're tracking they're even tracking and producing other bands while being in a band and doing that you know so like people that can you know juggle both dude it's it's beyond me <laughs> yeah I'm, i i played in bands early on and then i've got a real bad taste in my mouth with it about 2006 7 early and then just now here a couple years ago i decided to start looking back into it with this thing and and um I like it a lot more from this perspective of maybe just the uh, uh, promotional or or even getting in and writing a song. I'm, I've been talking with Elizabeth Turner about maybe getting in a songwriter's thing that's going on here at Live and Loud. You know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so we're kind of talking and, and changing, exchanging ideas there. Uh, you do much writing of your own? You got your own tunes? Uh, I, I used to do it quite a bit back in the day you know i play guitar but again i have a i have an acoustic guitar you know and so like when i like hear like a metal riff in my head or i get inspired right. it's like all right unplugged <laughs> <laughs> you know like time to drop the guitar to you know drop d and like make it metal and um so i i, I used to do it a lot back in the day i like writing lyrics a lot more than i, I kind of do riffs i feel like that's kind of like my strong point um, but I feel like kind of maybe once I get into playing guitar regularly or like I have my own rig or whatever, like I would love to like start actually constructing songs or writing riffs. And I like, you know, I'll hear like if we're like writing a song or recording something, I'll hear something in my head and sound it out. And, you know, maybe it'll sound good in the part. I've done that before, but like as far as like constructing full pieces of, of music i haven't gotten to that point yet it's always like peace 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 yeah, peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know That's... eventually i'll get there but just not right now well and and like there's all different types of uh methods for songwriting and and i've met people and and worked with people that that's how they do it they're just like i have this riff have this riff this riff this piece this little bit this line this thing here and you put it on a big spreadsheet and then you start all right, well, that kind of sounds like that. And then we piece it together like a puzzle. And other people can just be like, all right, I'm going to be an E-flat minor and we're going to go here. And it's like, I don't speak that language all that well either. So I, I work somewhere in the middle of that. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, and there's people that like generally do songwriting just by themselves, plugging into Pro Tools, writing a song. And then there's like bands that like get in a room and write a song, yeah. you know, and like 
there is uh, there's a lot to be said about both of those methods and just how crazily different they are. Because like you can write a song on Pro Tools, but when you bring it into the room and play with other people, that song can go in a million oh, other directions. Yeah. Which is how a lot of the songs on the new record came about. It was just like, oh yeah, just had like two riffs, and then we get in the room, and then four more riffs were written, and like we're not even going to use the original two riffs <laughs> we just used because like, oh wow, this sounds cool over this part. So I mean, like man, like it's crazy just how many branches to that tree there really are as far as songwriting, and there's so many different ways to do yeah. it. We know? went in thinking we were going to write three new ones, and we. We actually turned the three new ones into just one old one that we actually pulled from. And ah! sometimes you lose productivity. Too. Oh uh, yeah, it happens, man. <laughs> it happens for sure. Well, um, we can start wrapping her up here, man. I mean, what what are some of the future plans you have, uh, even for you personally, for the band, for Texas Hippie Coalition, even like uh, where do we go from here in 2023? Oh man, yeah. With <clears throat> with Texas Hippie Coalition, we have a new record coming out. At the end of April, April 21st, um, we recorded that in L.A. last summer and uh, probably going to be doing a lot more touring around that record this year. Um, and with LG, we have a couple Oklahoma shows in February, um, just on just weekends here and there, just doing weekend warrior stuff. Um, and hopefully with LG, we can plan some more stuff in the future as far as touring and uh, hopefully maybe getting the second record out this year. Um, but between THC and LG, just you know, shows touring and uh, the release of the record for THC, and hopefully another LG record will come soon afterwards. So uh, time will tell. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, that's that's very very cool, and thank you very much for coming in. And, hey, thank and, you and guys for having us, me, man. Seriously, uh, it's been awesome. I got I've seen Texas Hippie Coalition. How long have you been in with the band? About two years. Okay. So um, it was two years on the January 11th. It's been two years. Okay. Yeah, I've seen them. The first time I ever seen him was at the, uh, we'll just say a motorcycle clubhouse here in town. I'm not going to, I'll just, just keep it like that, but hell of a time. <laughs> and uh, then I seen him with Motley Crue, I think. It, yeah, it was Motley Crue. They opened for them at the air park. And then I seen him again, uh, it's at a casino, but it hadn't been in the last couple of years. So it hadn't, hadn't been when, I, when you were with them. But man... All this, all the success in the world, and and best of luck to to all your projects. Locust Grove, they'll be at the Resonator here in Norman, right there on Main Street, guys. You can't miss it. It's an awesome little joint, and uh, it'd be a great little, great, be a great gig. There's uh, Kira, Kira Magazu, and White Recluse, and there you go. Yeah, uh, fifteen dollars at the door. Uh, we'll post the links up here on our Instagram and Facebook pages, or you can go Google the Resonator. I'm sure you can get them there too. Um, Zane Smith, Darian Thompson, Quentin Williams, and Joey Mandigo. Thank you so much for coming in, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I'll see you all next time. Jonathan, uh, if the people want to help us out and keep this thing going, man, let them know how they can help us out. All right. The Local Earshot Podcast, we are a value-for-value podcast. What that means is that we run on three tenants. It's time, talent, and treasure. Uh, For time, uh, it's just if you listen to the show and and share it on social media or however you go about just telling people about the show, just uh, get the word out there and let them know what we're doing. Um, And then as for talent, if you're an artist or if you are a person that works inside the music industry in Oklahoma or beyond, uh, then hit me up at john at com or Brad on our Instagram page. That's the local earshot. Uh, And then we can get you scheduled possibly for a show um, to come on and talk about music. And then as for treasure, uh, we have three tiers um, in our in our treasure, uh, the way that we do it. And so um, 
Producers that contribute $5 or, uh, or more will get a special mention on the show. Uh, they're considered an LE fan or a local earshot fan, associate executive producer. Uh, and then if, uh, if they donate uh, $20 or more, then uh, they are an LE rocker and they um, get executive producership um, and also a mention on the show um, and uh, notes read, stuff like that. Uh, and then if you donate more than $100 or more over a given period of time, then you become an LE rock star uh, status, which, um, which is a special uh, status. So if we like put on shows or we do any type of events, uh, you'll get special uh, mentions there at those events and, and like actually be a part of that certain things that other people won't be able to be a part of. So thank you for listening. All right. We love y'all. We'll see y'all. Bye-bye.